Not sure if many of you know, but we do have a virtual tier within the Design Coven, virtual pro member tier, which includes three virtual meetings a month where we set intentions. We do group coaching. So bring all your questions. We answer those questions and you get to learn from other people going through the same struggles as you. We also do a business practice meeting. So we'll have somebody on to share a business practice that we can all benefit from. And then we also do a product training. So getting a sustainable, eco-friendly line to come on and share who they are so that we can be supported with other like-minded businesses. And if you're not quite ready for pro, you can always join our free community where you will connect with other like-minded holistic interior designers. You don't have to be an interior designer if you are kind of just dabbling or you're aspiring or you're looking into this field. We invite everybody from all journeys and you don't, again, have to be a designer. You don't have to have a degree. We're just a beautiful community of like-minded people looking to create healing spaces, not just for ourselves, but for our clients and future clients. Come join us at designcoven.com forward slash join. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. I've got a special guest today, uh, which is Jamie Van Kite. She is the lead strategist of Growing Your Team. Uh, So she's an expert in hiring and onboarding teams with small businesses, which I think is so beautiful and in such alignment. I was just telling Jamie just before we got on, I feel like this is the perfect time. I'm starting to feel that stress of needing to hire. So welcome, Jamie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, of course. So before we start, I like to just set intention of connection, creativity, Uh, being in a space to be able to learn from you and gain wisdom and and all of the things that you do. So I'm going to go ahead and just light a candle, creating that beautiful ambiance here in the studio. I love the element of fire because it's just such a creative energy. And I feel like being a creative, it's always a a connection that I feel strong about. And we're learning business. So you can always get some of that fire, passion, energy. Here with that, so we've got that, and then I'm going to pull a, uh, a card from the Radiant Crystal deck, and um, let's see what we got. So just a beautiful crystal to connect with today, and we've got Tiger's Eye, which is protection, creativity, and grounding, um, which I love so much. So this is really connecting with the solar plexus chakra, which is all about empowerment and confidence, which I feel you are going to give us. Um, that <laughs> so that we can feel empowered and confident to hire and to bring people on our team because it's so scary. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like that one just seems so perfect because not only did you say empower, you also, the first thing you said, I think was protection. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like I think a lot of things that we're going to get into today is the reasons why we don't hire, the reasons why we might keep putting it down on our to-do list is to protect ourselves and our business. And sometimes we end up doing the complete opposite, but we think that we're in a protection mode and everything and we're doing the right thing. So, ooh, I'm so excited to get more <laughs> into this today. Yay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fantastic. And I think you're right. And I can't wait for, for all of it. The first question I always ask is, you know, what what's home for you at the moment? Uh, can you share a little bit about that? And it could be the idea, it could be the physical home. Yeah, home for me in the moment, it's just really, for me, taking more time to kind of like relax and just ground myself. I went a year where I felt like I was moving, 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 like every minute, every day, like doing something. And this year I'm just really focusing on making my house again the house that that i want making it comfortable making it reflect myself my family our styles instead of just being a place to to crash at the end of the day how do we really make it what we want so we enjoy being here as much as we enjoy exploring and being elsewhere amazing thank you and i would love to know like what was your journey what's your origin story getting into the space that you're currently a leader in. Yes. Oh, so I love sharing this journey. So I actually came from my corporate backgrounds where everyone's surprised that even though I help people with hiring now that I did not come from the HR space. I was in operations leadership, loved my job, loved the company I worked for, loved the team I was leading, but I knew I always wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to run my own company. It, It was just a matter of what. Finally, one day I said, this is it. I'm going out and doing this. It was right after my second daughter was born or a few months later, I think she was eight months old when I finally left my corporate job and started a business with my daughter at home with me, which was not the business that I have now. It was a software development business. And I realized six months into it, I hated it. I hated the world of software development. I hated being on that side of things. My husband, he was the computer programmer and I thought it was this business that we were gonna do together. And I was just like, nope, I need to get out of this. (laughs) And I did say, I'm not ready to go back to corporate yet. It might take me a while to figure out what I want to do, but I want to at least try one more thing before I give up and go back to corporate. Because I knew if I went back to corporate, chances of me leaving again was were, were very slim. So I'm like, let me figure this out. I spent a lot of time talking to business owners and really understanding the needs they had in their business. I did some side consulting with the company that I had left, realized that I loved uh, consulting and everything to really help me focus on what my passions were. And it was when I was working with a business coach that I realized that my passion was the people part of business, Mm. the internal people, not necessarily the customers per se, but the internal people inside an organization was really where my passions lie. I connected this with hearing business owners saying that they were struggling with hiring. I heard from so many people, I never hired before doing it within my own business. Or now that I have to hire in my own, I realized how much support I had from HR teams, senior leadership, business owners, and everybody that I'd worked with before. So I was like, people need help with this people portion of their business. I have the skills and knowledge to do it from projects that I worked on in corporate. Let's do it. And now here we are five years later. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Exactly. I love your journey and just trying things out and being okay with pivoting and shifting as you go. And then also honing in on what parts you actually love and enjoy. And I think 
with our designers, that's the same sort of thing. It's like really trying to get them to connect with their niche and what part of the design business that they are truly in love with and, and leading in that space. Um, when we talk about hiring, I myself, and I can also tell from other designers that are here in our group, um, that it kind of gives us, you know, we, we kind of freak out a little bit. Um, you know, how do I even do that? I can't really even handle like taking care of myself and getting myself organized. Um, but I think that's why we need the help, right? So what, what are those mind shifts that we can shift into in order to be more open into this hiring space? Yeah, so the first one is we need to get over that asking for help is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're a woman, this is something that's ingrained in us of like, we can do it all. And yeah. yeah, we can do a lot, but we realistically can't do it all ourselves. But we but we go around with this mindset of, I need to be able to do it all. I can do it all. I'm going to push through and I'm going to take on all this stuff and I'm going to figure out a way to get it done. And when we first start our businesses, we have to do that. We have to take on everything ourselves because we probably don't have it. Well, we almost definitely don't have money coming in at first. And then at first, it's like every cent that's coming in is going right back out to something else. And we barely have enough money to pay ourselves. So we do have to continue doing it all. But as our business grows, we get used to doing it all. And maybe that client work that took us five hours a week on average with our very first client is now that times five clients. Mm-hmm. And you're still doing all the admin and you're still doing all your everything in your business. And there comes a point where, yeah, it might be the same category of tasks that you're doing, but they're, they've grown significantly. And we need to shift from this mindset of, I am failing because I can't do it all to the celebrating that you can't do it all because you've, it means you've grown your business mm-hmm. to the point where you literally can't do it all yourself anymore, that you need to bring in this help. So that's the first thing we really need to focus on is this shift of hiring help does not mean you're failing. It means that you're succeeding. Oh my God. I love that shift. (laughs) I'm like, yes. Okay. I can totally get on board with that. It's like, yes, you're right. I'm slowly graduating. We're growing into a space where it's like now is the time um, that we definitely need help. So that is a beautiful way of, of looking at that. And you're so right. I, I know that for me personally, asking for help has always been such a hard thing for me because I've always been one that's like, I can take it on, I can do it, you know, and I'm, I'm going a million miles a minute. And then my partner is just like, like, what are you doing? You know, let's, he can see like that I'm just going crazy. Right. So it's like, and I feel like this past year, even with this podcast and with the membership group, that's really when things started shifting, when it was like, I don't have to learn how to edit. I don't have to learn how to like um, put the podcast up. It's like, I can actually hire somebody to help me do that. And that for me was the first sort of gateway into like, oh my God, if I can do that. I could ask other people to help me with this and that and that and that. So now it's, I'm kind of like a machine in that <laughs> aspect right now at this moment. I would love to know what are types of roles that might be a good place to start and um, I know you mentioned outsourcing so um, maybe even talking a bit about like outsourcing versus employee employees but first you know what roles should we really be looking at yeah so I kind of look at it at the very basic level there's three types of roles that you can bring into your organization and those ones are first off kind of like the admin the back-end person 
the person said that besides maybe jumping on an email thread to help schedule a meeting, they have no interaction with your clients. They might be mm -hmm. helping with some client things, like some minor things on the back end, but it's really all that admin level stuff. This is also your bookkeepers and things like that. So there's those people that are just behind the scenes helping you move things along. There's then the, what we call the client facing roles. So a lot of times, especially interior design, think of it as like you're hiring a second you, someone mm -hmm. that you're gonna work on one subset of clients and they're gonna work on another subset of clients. So it really is, they're gonna do everything that you're doing for the client. They're not gonna do the business backend stuff. They might do the client work backend stuff, but not the business backend stuff, but they're a second of you when it comes to client work. And then we have the roles where we call them the combo roles. These are the roles that maybe have a little bit of that admin and a little bit of that client work. You can think you can think of it more maybe as like a junior designer, someone that's really helping with certain aspects of that process, but not really helping with the full thing. So you, at least at this point, you're not bringing them on to work with clients independently. You're bringing them on to support your client journey and the work you're doing with your clients. So the client has both of you as contacts on the same project. So once you really know what type of support that you're looking for, you can then start developing roles within that. Do you want someone just helping you with the admin because you are going to do the client work all on your own? Mm -hmm. Are you at the point where so many projects are coming in that you could really deal with a high skilled designer that's going to take projects that then you don't have to worry about those at all? Or is it going to be a, I need some help with the client work, but I'm not ready to trust someone to run a project all on their own. Yeah. So let me hire a junior person that I can train up to being 100% independent on client projects. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for me personally, like I have hired help for, um, you know, you were talking about the admin, uh, you know, procurement, placing orders, checking in on those invoices, the purchase orders, doing all that stuff and making sure that your all the orders and everything is getting squared away um, so that you can design, so you can focus on design finishes and, and picking and selecting. Um, and I also love that you mentioned the bookkeeper because that was probably the first person that I got on board because it's like you, it's just so much, right? Especially when we are not only billing for our time, but we're also billing for products. And so getting all of that squared away, making sure the accounts are being reconciled <laughs> between our invoicing program and our bank accounts, uh, which is huge. And then the other thing is um, getting people to do drafting and 3D rendering because I feel like for me personally, that's been a time suck or that's the place that I find myself procrastinating. Um, it's like, I just don't have the time to sit in to do a drawing. And so by having someone come in to kind of take that off my plate has also been huge. Yes. Can you, yeah. Jamie, can you share a little bit about the difference between having a subcontractor and maybe hiring an employee? Because I feel like uh, there's more freedom in subcontractors versus you know, taking on an employee and having all those responsibilities that I feel a lot of designers get freaked out about. Yeah. So the one thing to look at is when you take on subcontractors, there is a little bit more freedom and we'll talk about that, but you also lose control in a lot of things. So it's one of those things you have to figure out for your business, what matters the most so you get the right support that you need. And one of the things that I just want to kind of get out of the way to talk about is people say, well, I don't need someone full time, so therefore I sh it should be a contractor. No, there's a plenty of highly skilled people out there that are looking for part time work that a role doesn't need to be full time in order for it to be an employee role. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. So first off, the very 
basic difference between employee and a contractor is think of it as an employee works for your business. You know, you cut, you're in control of that relationship. They work for your business. A contractor is another business that you are hiring to help with a portion of your business. So they are their own separate entity that is providing support for your business. It's very easy to look at it and being like, okay, well, I have a plumber come in to help fix the sink in my office bathroom. And we see that as, okay, that's a separate business that we come in. But sometimes when they're mixed in with that client work, it's harder for us to see that separation of, no, 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 this is not, this isn't an employee of yours. They are a separate business, even if they're a business of one that's doing work for your business. And so there is a little bit more flexibility in there. Contractors typically don't require or don't expect consistent work from you. It could be as you have a project, you bring them on. If you don't have a project, okay, no big deal. They're working with other people at the same time. But you do lose a little bit of that, that control over the relationship. A contractor, you, you tell them what you need and they will help achieve that goal and make those deliverables but you can't necessarily tell them how to get there. You can't dictate their process. You can't dictate what tools they use in order to complete that. As long as what they're providing you matches the outline of, um, of objectives or goals or things like that, then they have control over everything else. A contractor, you don't have control over when or where they work. You know, you might come to an agreement that they're gonna come into maybe your office certain days, but if they decide they, they, they don't want to, you can't really enforce it. Your only option would be like, okay, well then I guess we're gonna go with a different contractor. If they wanna be working at one o'clock in the morning, that's fine. You know, it's one of those things that they get that, they get that control because they mm -hmm. are a business. If you think about it, when your clients hire you, you are a business that has your business standards and your business rules and your business hours of operations and your clients don't really control that. Yes, you might occasionally make exceptions to work with your clients, but your clients don't control when, where, and how you do business. It's the same when you hire a contractor, you lose a little bit of that control. So that's one thing to think about when you think about what, what is right. But a contractor does sometimes give you that little bit of flexibility, especially if you're like, my work is not consistent. I only need this when you talk about like the, the drawings and everything. Mm -hmm. You only need that sometimes at a certain point of your projects. And there's a lot of other work that goes on that you don't need someone actively in there and in those systems all the time, updating things on the, on the project because then you're executing on that project. Yeah. So if you think about it that way, having someone that can come in and just do that work when that work is needed and then not do anything else for you until that next project comes in, sometimes that is the benefit of having, having that contractor. But it's just figuring out what is right for your business and you want to make sure if you hire someone as a contractor that you truly treat them as a contractor because if you treat them like an employee so you start dictating their hours you start really owning the control of the relationship you can get in trouble with the irs and and everything for employee misclassification and then you'll owe all those back taxes that you thought you're saving you'll um and possibly have fines and penalties and everything and that's just not a fun process to deal with the other thing I just want to mention is I mentioned the savings of taxes is that's one reason why people say I'm going to go with a contractor because it's easier because I don't have to deal with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, there, it is sometimes easier because you don't have to worry about payroll and so, all that. You just pay their invoice. So it's just like paying any of your other bills in your business a lot of the times. But 
If you think about it as a cost savings, a lot of the times that cost savings isn't necessarily there because what happens with that contractor? They still have to pay those taxes. Yeah. And so they build those taxes a lot of times into their rate. So a lot of times hiring a contractor is the same, if not more expensive than hiring an employee because of those rates. The, the way where it works out where sometimes it's cheaper is because once again, you're only paying them when there really is that work that's there. Where an employee, typically they're working, let's say, even if it's 10 hours a week, they're working 10 hours every week and, and things like that. So it comes to where there's there's those downtimes where you're not paying a contractor versus an employee. But when you really break down to that hourly rate, typically contractors are as expensive or if not more expensive than employees. Yeah, that's such a great point. I didn't really think about that either. And when they are your employee, you can kind of give them multiple things to work on and you have more flexibility in that way, right? Where you can kind of assign them certain tasks versus just a subcontractor that's just a drafter. Like they're only doing a particular service because that's what they're offering. Correct. That's huge. And then I also wanted to tap into like, how, what are the signs? Like, how do we know that it's time to hire somebody? Like, how can we be aware of, of that? Great question. Yeah. So as we talked about as a business owner, sometimes you just get used to doing, 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 and you're going through things. So if this sign, if it's time for you to hire, one of these signs is going to be there in your business. However, if you're always in that habit of doing, you're probably going to miss them. So I encourage you to get out a pen and paper, write down these signs, and at least once a quarter, if not more frequently, review to see if these signs are going on in your business. Otherwise, sometimes we miss what's right in front of us. So the first sign that it's time to hire is you're saying no to your idea client. Okay. So these are projects that you want to take on, but you can't take them on. It could also mean that you have a wait list. There are people that use wait lists for their benefit. It's part of their marketing. It's like, oh, we're, we're so sold out. We're so popular that you have to wait two months to work with us, six months to work with us. And some businesses that works really well and they charge prices where that wait list works for them. It's part of their whole, mm. whole thing about working with them. But then if you're sitting there and saying, oh my gosh, I need to grow and scale my business and I can't, but I have this wait list, but I can't take business off that wait list because I can't handle it. That wait list is actually a disservice to you. You don't know if that person's actually gonna be waiting by the time you get through your wait list because yeah. maybe you haven't built up that credibility yet where people are willing to wait six months or a year to work with you. So if your wait list isn't working for you, it's actually a problem and a sign that you need to hire. So then sign number two is that your customer service is lacking. Okay. As we talked about, you're doing it all. At first, you have more time because each task is taking you less time because your business is smaller. So you're able to respond really quickly to clients. You're able to respond to inquiries right away or get those initial consultations on the books right away. But as your business grows and your time starts to shrink, you have you might be delayed and get it back to a client. You tell someone, oh, I'll get back to you on Tuesday and you don't get that um, draft to them till Wednesday. They reach out with a question and you can't respond. And then your clients are starting to feel like you don't value them. You're busy on other projects. There's all these things going on where they're like, do they even care that I'm uh, mm -hmm. that I'm a client of theirs? So what happens? If there's an opportunity for them to end their contract, they might take it up on that opportunity and go somewhere else where they feel that they're going to be valued. They're possibly not going to refer you to their friends and things like that. So you're not going to get that repeat business either from them or from the referral network. 
And this also works against you when it comes to getting new clients, because if you can't schedule those consultations right away, if you can't reach out to inquiries right away, people then end up working with other designers until you're at that point where they're like, no, I want to work with you. And you know, the people that are coming to you, they're coming to you specifically because of you. They could be in a spot where I'm reaching out to you. I'm reaching out to this other designer. I'm reaching out mm -hmm. to this other company because I want to get ideas and I want to talk to you and I want to see what your business like and what are my options when I'm working with you. I want to understand more about your business. Well, if the other people get back to them quicker and schedule yeah. those meetings and you have a week, two weeks before you can have that initial conversation, they might have already taken their business elsewhere. So you're losing business that and revenue opportunity that you never really had because of the fact that you couldn't connect with people in a timely fashion. Sign number three is you want to do something new in your business, but you can't because you can't pull yourself away from what's currently going on. So it very well could be we're on a podcast today that you want to start a podcast, but you literally can't start a podcast because you don't have time to do interviews, figuring out the editing, figuring out hosting, all those things where it's just like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. I can't do it but I understand the benefits for my business to do it. Yeah. So there's something to benefit your business, but you just don't have time to do it because you can't take your time away from your current offerings. And then finally, the fourth sign is that you lack skill or knowledge that's needed for your business. There comes a point where it's no longer worth your time to do something because it would cost you less to hire an expert to do it for you. It's once again, getting out of that mindset of, I need to do everything. Mm -hmm. I need to learn everything and saying that I don't need to spend my time there. I need to get yeah. the help and support and things there. Yes, early on in our business, we have to learn everything. There's so much stuff that you, that you probably know now that you didn't know that you would need to know when you started. Yeah. But there does comes a point where it's like, you don't need to do it anymore. If you are horrible at your website stuff, stop learning how, how to do your website yourself and start hiring someone to do it. Absolutely. If you're horrible at sticking up with your um, social media, stop wasting the time to do it yourself and hire someone to do it. You know, it, if you're horrible at, your, at doing your taxes and getting through your bookkeeping, hire the experts who help you there so that way it's done right and you're not struggling through it because it will probably maybe take you two hours to do something that would take an expert an hour. And what can you be doing in that two hours that you save? Possibly doing more stuff to get new clients or properly serve your current clients. So that way they're happy and your business continues to thrive. Absolutely. I mean, everything that you just mentioned is I'm just like in my mind, I'm like checklist, checklist, check, 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 <laughs> all the things. And I think you're so right. Um, and also like with new designers, a lot of them get stuck up, stuck on um, needing to learn AutoCAD or renderings and that kind of thing. And they've already got clients that want to work with them. So that's definitely one of the, again, one of those places that I would start is get a draftsperson to come on board to help you. Because just think of all those months that you're going to have to spend learning how to draw. Um, and if you already don't have that time because you've got clients, um, perfect opportunity to, to bring someone exactly. on board. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's an expense to it, but that expense is worth it if it's going to help your clients be happy, if you can focus on other things. This is an expense that you build into your overall packages. So right. yes, it's not coming to you, but it's one of those things in business. If we go back to some of the mindset stuff is a lot of times we're okay paying money for platforms and services and things like that. But all of a sudden it comes to paying money for people and we're like, 
oh my goodness, how do I give a person money? And it's yeah. like, well, we give systems and platforms money all the time. Think about even if it's $15 here, or $15 there, it's still money that adds up and we're giving away this money all the time. But we're so, we're, we clutch the purse strings so tight when it comes mm -hmm. to paying people. But people is really what's going to make that huge difference in your business. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the platform stuff because when we add all these platforms, we're now having to learn like all these different things and how do it how do you operate in it? And I've I've noticed myself like getting people on board within that platform, like getting the higher tier so that we can have assistance so that they can come in and help um, you know, figure things out so that I'm not sitting there for two hours like trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Um, and I can get assistance right away and again saving right. time. Yeah, exactly. Like uh I use ClickUp as my project management platform. I know there's a lot of things, other platforms out there, but I hear all the time, it's like, yeah, I invested in this platform, but I've never had time to sit down and explore it. So I I don't really use it. I know I don't personally use it, but I know a lot of businesses that use things like Dubsabo and things like mm -hmm. that. And they'll say I've sat, it sat there for months being unused because I literally did not have the time to learn how to do it. And then I just finally bit, you know, finally decided I'm hiring someone and they yeah. hire someone to set up everything for them. And then it's like the next day they're using that platform that they've Amazing. been paying for, but now things are set up for them and they didn't have to worry about going watching tutorials and learning things. It was just telling someone, this is what I need. Yeah. Can you do this in the system? Can you set it up so these things are automated and systematized and this platform that I'm paying for works for me? instead of just being there that I'm just like maybe just scraping the surface of mm -hmm. how it's going to benefit me. Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. And can you share with us maybe some strategies um, for successful hiring and onboarding? Like what can we use to, to get yeah. the right people in, in place? Yeah. So the first thing is when it comes to successful hiring, you really need to know who you need. Like we talked about those types of roles and you're gonna figure out the roles and responsibilities inside your organization, but you really need to spend some time figuring out what does success in this role mean to me? How will I measure three months down the road, six months down the road, a year down the road, if this role is successful, if this person fits in with me and my culture? And once you know that, it gives us additional layer to hiring to help you find your idea candidate. Because one of the things I say all the time is just because someone is good at what they do does not mean they're right for you. Mm. So they could be, if we go back to the drawings, amazing at doing the drawings yeah. and everything, and they could really produce the right thing. But let's say they'll never fit into your culture. They'll never fit into really what you want to do for your clients. Like you feel like you're always battling them hmm. where it's like, yeah, they're really good at what they do, but they just don't pay attention to your design style and, and what matters for you when you're working with clients. So you really need to know that what matters to you and then build a hiring process around that. When it comes to writing your job posting, your job posting needs to be written for your idea candidate. It's kind of like with marketing. If you market to everybody, you really market to nobody. So what is the mm -hmm. first thing they always tell you is know your target audience with marketing and write to that target audience. The same with the job posting, know your candidate and write to that idea candidate. Yes, that means people are gonna read that job posting and say, nope, I don't yeah. wanna work there. But guess what? They're the people you don't wanna hire anyway. <laughs> you want people reading your job posting and saying, 
oh my gosh, that describes me. Like, this is my job. This is what I need. Yeah. And those are your ideal candidates. Cater to them throughout your entire process. Every interview question that you select should tie back to that idea candidate. So you're discovering, is this person the right person for me? An interview isn't just a conversation. It's an investigation tool to find out if this person is the right person. So make sure you're using it properly to really uncover the right information. So that way you can be confident in your hiring decisions. And then when it comes to onboarding, just remember that someone is not going to be a great hire on day one. Yeah. It takes time to train someone. That training time will look differently depending on the role, depending on the skill set of the person coming in. But even if they're super, super skilled at what they do, they've never done it for you inside your organization. And that's the important key to onboarding. It's teaching them how to do their job inside your organization to your expectations. If you don't tell your team members what your expectations are and you're not clear on them, right. they're going to make up the expectations themselves. And it could be based off of their past jobs or things like that, what they prefer. And if you don't correct them, they're going to think that they're right. And then sometimes you get in this battle of, oh my gosh, my team member is never doing this correctly, but they yeah. think they're doing it right because they were never corrected. Mm -hmm. So that's like some of the things just to kind of keep in mind is you need to train your team members what doing it right means to you inside your organization. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I think we kind of have this idea that they're just going to come in and know what they're doing, but it's really up to us to take the responsibility to share with them what is expected and how you like things. And it's a growing thing, right? It's like an evolution of teaching and them coming back to you. And they might have some really great ideas. And then that also for me, I've noticed where like, as long as I'm open, a lot of times they'll come to me with some great ideas. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like even better than like what I thought it would be. So I think part of it too, is just being really open to other ways of doing things. Um, so yeah, and then you're right, like just, uh, coaching them as they go so that we know what yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where I always say when it comes to doing things right, you have to decide, you know, what does it mean to do it right? And why is that the right way? Mm -hmm. And because I said so is not an answer. So you're going to think about things like, okay, it needs to be done this way because this is what our clients expect. This is why they hire us. This is safety reasons. This is, you know, whatever this is. Oh, we got to invoice this way because it's going to be better for our bookkeeper. Like mm -hmm. there's things like that where there's a reason. Mm -hmm. And if all you can think of is because I want it that way, then it's when you really need to do that work to say, my way might not be the best way. Yeah. So let me be open to ideas because just because I've been doing it this way doesn't mean that it's the only way to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you, Jamie, so much for, for all of this information. Um, I'm super inspired to kind of take a look at my own personal business and see like what um, places I can use some help in. And I'm also open to the possibility of employees versus, you know, having that subcontractor uh, mindset. So I really appreciate that perspective on it. I would love for you to kind of share with all of us, how can we connect with you? What services do you have to offer? You know, how do we get you on board with our team and, and lead uh, in this space? Yeah, so at Growing Your Team, we're all ab about teaching you to master the art of hiring. We do a lot of education and guidance in a lot of our services because we understand that as most business owners, 
you haven't done it a lot before. Mm -hmm. And we're here to guide you so you can make confident decisions and teaching you what you need to do make those confident decisions. So you can get in touch with us by going to growingyourteam.com. And there you can learn a lot more about our services. But just as a quick overview, we provide services where we'll write job postings and interview guides all around your idea okay. candidate. Okay. We then offer full service um, recruiting where my team takes over part of the process. So we, you can focus on your business and your clients while we're posting your job, reviewing candidates and completing first round interviews. We do consulting, which is one of our favorite places to work with clients where we help create everything that you need for the hiring process. You execute it, but we're there every step of the way teaching you how to be a successful hire. Because even when you work with a recruiter, you still need to know how to communicate your needs, your wants, how to evaluate candidates. So we really focusing on teaching you how to be a great hiring manager so that way you get the right people on your team. And then we also offer services where if you're at that stage where you're just like, I've been doing this all myself mm -hmm. and I don't really know what help I need. I know I just need help. We also offer services where we'll come in and help look at your processes, identify where it is that you could really need help in your in your business. So that way when you make a hiring decision and you make the decision to move forward with adding someone, you're adding the right person to your organization. Amazing. I love that you can help us every step of the way from like the panic of like, I need help, but I don't know what to do because <laughs> I feel like so many are there. Yes. Uh, so good. And you also have a podcast, right? I do. I have yeah. the Growing Your Team podcast with Jamie Van Kuyk. It's available on all major podcasting platforms, or you can get to it by going to growingyourteam.com slash podcast. On the podcast, we talk about everything when it comes to hiring and leading employees within small businesses. Amazing. So yeah, I encourage everyone to go check it out, check out the website and connect with Jamie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.